Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. So, ladies and gentlemen, Christian is going to come on. This dude is a powerhouse entrepreneur, business builder, multiple six, uh, seven figures, I should say, uh, multiple millions of dollars, and it's just all about scaling, all about making a huge freaking impact. So if that's you, you want to you grow your impact, you want to scale your business and uh, deliver your, your love, your services, your gift to the world even more, lead powerful teams, definitely stay tuned, stay connected. Before that, let's talk about the sponsor message. If you are basically everything I just said, a, a leader who wants to impact the world in a big way, I would also love to support you, whether that's starting your own podcast, being a guest on the 12-hour marathon and podcast, becoming your greatest possible self, I am here for you to help you get your message out into the world. So let's talk. If that is you, you can email me, chris at beergps.com. You can find me on uh, Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash th3burns. And you can also find me on Instagram at I am millionaire Chris and message me, direct message me there. And I look forward to connecting with you. However, and wherever you're at, I am just like I love people who are out to make a big impact in the world. So I acknowledge you for stepping up to that. And I'm excited to see how we can grow together. Next up is the iTunes review of the week. This week, it's Brian Kelly, authentic and energetic. Chris is as authentic as one can be. He loves helping people and his energy is infectious. Watch this show if you want to become your greatest possible self. Absolutely watch this show. 100%. If you want to give us a review, if you want to let us know how we're doing with the show, give us some encouragement, some feedback, go to beergps.com forward slash iTunes, and you can rate and review there and, and let us know that. And also subscribe while you're there so you can get all the latest updates and episodes and uh, keep becoming your greatest possible self. Keep becoming your greatest possible self. Keep that fuel flowing so that the fire stays lit so you keep growing and truly making a big impact in the world. Now, I'm going to introduce Christian in just a second. Before that, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, be ready to take notes because this is going to be the gold, okay? So stay tuned all the way from start to finish because one idea has the power to transform the rest of your life. And I know Christian has some serious experience and wisdom to share with you to really make that difference. Let's introduce him. Christian Chasmer empowers entrepreneurs to build their business with systems that give them freedom. He works with CEOs and young people who are out to impact the world in a big way. He believes they can enjoy their lives while they do it. At 26 years old, this young entrepreneur has already built two successful companies without sacrificing his lifestyle to stress and burnout. Can I get an amen? The key, he will tell you, is systems, systems, systems. Starting in college, Christian built a franchise from zero to 1.2 million in annual revenue. He then co-founded the real estate development company, CC Solutions, and grew it to $6 million in revenue in under two years. To help others create the same satisfaction he's found in life and business, Christian authored the bestseller, Lose the Limits, Break Your Limiting Beliefs, Become a More Productive You, and Achieve 
everything you want in life. Christian's give-first mindset and skill for building systems help him fulfill his mission to help others make an exponential impact and simplify business. He lives with his wife in San Diego, California, and we're blessed to have him here with us today. Christian, are you ready to rock the house, my man? I am. All right. I know you already answered that before, but I just, I just wanted to hear it again, man. I want I wanted to hear, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you being here, man. We're live on Become Your Greatest Possible Self. And uh, we're, we're going to dive right into the theme of the day, which is a burning obsession, your burning obsession. I'm curious, how has this concept of having a burning obsession made an impact in your life, man? That's a great question. Uh, having a burning obsession, you know, I think I think for me, burning obsession has developed and evolved over time, right? I think there's always been something uh, inside me, a burning obsession of becoming my be- a better version of myself. So always improving, wrestled all throughout high school and in college. And that was always a big part of it was just always improving, always being the best that I can be. I uh, grew up in a really small town, but always knew that there was uh, more for me out there than just staying in the small town and, you know, living that kind of closed off mindset. Yeah. So for me, the burning obsession has always been one, improving myself, improving my circumstances, and then two, finding a way to help others as well. So, you know, always, always looking at what I'm doing and then adding to other people as well. So mm. for me, I don't have a, like a specific burning obsession, like, creating computers or getting people to Mars like Elon Musk and maybe that'll develop over time. Uh, But for me, my burning obsession has always been just improving myself and just being viciously on that track of self-improvement and improving myself, whether it's in the gym, on the wrestling mat, in business, et cetera. I dig it, man. I dig it. I think that the the competitive spirit, so to speak, the achiever spirit, the high performance mindset, especially in sports that's instilled there, like you got to give it 110% or else you're, you're going to get the floor wiped with you, you know, like it's, you got to step up. And I think that that was probably an advantage for you to have that instilled in you at a young age so that you can bring that into these other areas of, you know, building businesses, making a bigger impact, leading teams and stuff like that. So I think, I don't think there's, in my opinion, that's one of the best obsessions that we can create is a, is to grow ourselves and to be a constantly hungry, a voracious learner, a grower to become the best versions, man. That's awesome. Yeah, totally agree. I think that's, you know, and you can use that same competitiveness or that same attitude into service as well, like wanting to serve at a high level, et cetera. Mm. Mm, that's beautiful, dude. I love it. So I mentioned it a little bit in your bio and intro, but why don't you share a little bit more with our audience about who are you? What do you stand for? What do your clients come to you for today, man? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the CEO and founder of Elevate. And what clients come to us for is we work with seven and eight figure clients and they're usually coming to us when they need systems help. So they're scaling, they're, they have market validation. Obviously, they're a growing company. And they're looking to scale even further. Maybe they've hit a roadblock or maybe they're starting to grow at a, at a more rapid rate and the wheels are kind of coming off the tracks on the train. And we come in and we work with their leadership team to help build those systems and get the team, one, all aligned under the same vision. So going in the right direction, in a rhythm with each other. So everyone's communicating, there's transparency, et cetera. And then everything is systemized 
So there's that next man up mentality where people can really come in and help each other and come off the bench and, and mm. execute at a high level all the time. Damn, that's rad, man. So that's that's elevate, and um, I know that's that's you've grown some successful companies before, and I'm sure you've taken a lot of the principles and the systems and the stuff like that uh, that you you were successful with and implemented into this. and And I'm curious, do you, do you have a, a quick one liner of why this is important to you to like help help the these businesses scale and and go from seven to eight figures and eight to nine and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. So we we work with companies that we truly believe in their mission and we believe in what they're doing and they're making a positive impact in the world, right? And for me, yeah, in my other companies, I was you know, getting burned out and I was getting that the typical entrepreneurial hamster wheel, as I call it. You're working 80 hours a week. You're not making that much money. You're not making the impact you want, but you're, you don't know how to change it, right? Through systems and leadership, really going down the rabbit hole, both of those, I was able to pull myself out of that and systemize my business and uh, be happier, make more money, and make a bigger impact. So seeing that entrepreneurs are really the lever that changed the world and can move the world in a big way, for me, it's hyper important to help these awesome entrepreneurs that are on a big track, they have a big moonshot, they want to make a big impact, and they just... They're a little stuck or they're growing and the wheels are falling off the tracks and they don't know how to stop it. So mm. that's uh, that's why to me it's really important because entrepreneurs change the world. Yeah, dude, I love it. I love it. This is gold. So I want to go back into your journey and talk about what inspired you out of college to to start you know, building such a, a big business and going for like that big dream and vision. Yeah, great question. Uh, man. I actually didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur. I never even knew really what an entrepreneur was. I thought those were the people on TV growing up in my small town. Like if you wanted to make money, you either became a banker or you became a lawyer and you moved to New York city. And I was on the pre-law track. Like I was going to be a lawyer because I wanted to make money. And that was about that. Uh, junior year of college, I saw a piece of paper on, on one of my desks in class. Literally it was just a printed paper cut in a square. And it said, uh, run your own business over the summer, make $10,000. And I had 30 bucks to my name at that time. And I said, wow, all right, sign me up. I'll do anything for $10,000. And I wound up running my own exterior painting company. So a franchise of an exterior painting company. And it completely changed my life. Like It was the hardest summer of my life. Lots of tears, lots of struggles, lots of late nights. But it showed me what entrepreneur was and it just opened up this world to open up my world and open up my eyes to a totally different world. Um, it was kind of like going through the wardrobe in Narnia. Like now, now I see the whole new thing and I can't go back. So that's where I decided to be an entrepreneur from that point forward and be a better person and be a leader and be someone who can be an entrepreneur. Hmm. So that was the total pivot in the road for me going down that path. And, I think at that point in life too, I had a pretty good chip on my shoulder where I wanted to build a big business, right? And that's all I really cared about, building a cool business and being an entrepreneur. And that's what led me to start the, and build the real estate development company and then get hyper obsessed with leadership and systems and scaling it. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. So 
you really, you saw this opportunity came across your desk. You're like, why not? Let's go all in. And then from there you started saying, well, you know, like what's possible? Like I, I, I figured it out. It sounds like you're a fairly quick learner. You made some, some mistakes that caused like, you know, heartbreak and stuff early on, but um, you were able to like stay in action and be focused on the goal and moving forward. And it sounds like you pretty quickly outgrew that phase. Yeah, well, I think we all, I mean, I think the more, the more we can fail, the more we can ultimately succeed, right? It's those rapid iterations and those feedback loops. Like the more we fail and the more we learn from the failure without our ego blocking that learning lesson, the faster we can learn and the faster we can grow. So I feel like getting thrown into the fire with that franchise, I just learned years and years of experience in like in six months and then I did it again the next year and then I moved up to Boston and started my own division. So I did it again for a third year wow. and that's where everything really clicked for me and I I got the confidence or the naivety to jump off with my partner and we left that that company and started our real estate development company. And from there, you know, second business, we were like, oh cool, we'll be millionaires in like three months. We're like, what should we do with all the money we're about to make? And <laughs> obviously was not like that we got punched in the face a ton we hit a ton of brick walls super stressful super super uh ego and humbling and but we kept going you know we kept slowly building the team we kept pushing through we kept finding ways to make the payments when we needed to make the payments and then we kind of pushed through it using systems and leadership like i like i've been saying so um yeah, I think that's how it always is, though. I think you just keep learning from your lessons, and if you don't quit, you can't fail. Mm. When did you learn that the systems was such a core part of your growth and having things work for you? Was it in your second business that you started that got to $6 million? Was it after you exited that and were thinking about the next business? Yeah, great question. So I... I had an idea that they are really good from the franchise company, the, mm. the student painters, the first business, because they they had the franchise, right? A franchise is just a set of systems. So from there, I saw it in action, and I don't think I I don't think I fully internalized why it was so important. It was just there. And then when we started my real estate development company, me and my partner were really shoot from the hip kind of guys. We were showmen. We're like, just get us out there. We're going to find a way to win. We'll figure it out. Like we're good. We'll, we'll, we can do it. And when we were, we we're after about seven, eight months, we were about uh, five weeks away from bankruptcy and we we're pushing really hard. And we're like, you know, I, I went away and I said, gosh, I gotta, I gotta look in the mirror and really think about what's going on here. And I realized it was because of that shoot from the hip. Everything's laissez-faire style and you know what happened was we had no structure in our business and it was showing so i went back and we started getting really deep in implementing systems you know in implementing burn harnesses scaling up implementing sam carpenter's work the system and really just got nitty-gritty on the details and the systems and the whole business turned around from that point Wow, that's incredible. So it sounds like personal development was a pretty big part of your journey. Uh, when did you like really become comfortable or like go all in, would you say, in terms of, of growth? Was it all the way back in, in uh, wrestling? Was it in college? When did that become really important for you? Yeah, uh, personal development... You know, I, I wasn't the greatest person or the nicest person in high school and even throughout college. I would venture to say I was I was a jerk, kind of. <laughs> you know, there was always a, a very 
hardworking person, hardworking attitude, right? Like I, I worked my butt off in wrestling, right? I'd wake up at 4 a.m. every day before high school, run and train. And, you know, I had that down. I got good grades. It wasn't that part of my life wasn't, wasn't a problem, but it was the personal side of it, like the empathy, leadership, yeah. those types of things I just didn't care about. And it wasn't until that first year at Student Painters running my business the junior year of college where, you know, most people go through about eight painters, eight employees for the summer. Mm-hmm. I went through 24. So I Dang. literally went through like 24 different people. And I realized I was just a really bad leader. I was a bad entrepreneur. And if I wanted to be a good entrepreneur, I had to change dramatically. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I started really diving into leadership. And I realized uh, I needed to be a person that people wanted to follow. It wasn't mm-hmm. just tactics that I can do. It wasn't just things that I can say, I, I truly had to become a person that people wanted to follow. That's the, that's the way to become a leader. Yep. And from that, the whole, the whole personal development journey, that whole rabbit hole started at that point and completely changed my life. Now it's one of the most important parts of my life. Yeah. Dude, that's that's rad. So I want to hear about uh, Elevate and really the what is the the philosophy that you're teaching there and, and how can our, our audience of uh, entrepreneurs and business owners start to adapt and adopt these these principles and practices so that they can grow themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the overall philosophy that, you know, our ethos at Elevate really is that business doesn't have to be extremely hard like we don't have, it doesn't have to be hard a business is a system all of life is a system right brushing your teeth is a system you get you have an input and then you get a desired result or you get an undesired result and the reason why you get an undesired result is because of the input yep so you just have to change the input and that's all business really is so if you can look at your Systems, like your sales process, your delivery process, your onboarding process for new clients and new employees, mm. and you look at what you're doing in these facets and you break them down to A, B, C steps, you can start pretty easily seeing what's working well in your business and what's not working well in your business. So mm. I think a lot of people get super intimidated by systems and they one think, oh, I'm not smart or I'm not a systems person, so I can never do it. And that's not true. Everyone can implement the system. But two, they think systems are going to like take the soul out of their business. Um, but some of the most creative, most awe-inspiring companies in the world are the ones that have the most systems locked down. Yeah. So I, I think systems actually create freedom and they create fun, uh, not the other way around. Yeah, and also I know uh, E Myth was a, a book that I really like studied by Michael Gerber, and he talked about how in this like hotel that he went to, you know, like the the person who who checked him in or whatever asked what his favorite new or what his newspaper favorite newspaper was and uh, what kind of coffee he liked and different stuff like that, and he, it didn't even register on him. It was like just regular conversation. So he goes to his room and like he finds the the uh, the next morning or whatever he finds a newspaper on. Out in front, you know, and he finds his coffee be brewing away. He's like, I don't even know how they knew that I, I had this thing that they knew about this, that I love this. And he's like, oh, wait, they asked me, you know, and he found out. And I think like the, he said the next time he went back, they did the same thing. And it was consistent and it was repeatable. And it was a system that allowed the, the business and the people who operated the business to get the best ingredients together, the input 
to be able to create an amazing experience and output for those clients and customers. It's 100% right. And at the end of the day, that, that client, Michael Berber, is now super happy, loves that hotel and wrote about it in his book. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. So how, how would you recommend we start um, looking at our systems and processes to know which ones are working effectively, which ones aren't, and how do we know where to start? Because it can probably be pretty intimidated, all, all the different places that we could uh, take action on and grow in and be more effective at. Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, the answer is different for every business, right? Depending on where they are on the growth curve. Are they at the one hundred thousand mark to the seven figure mark? Are they just starting out, etc.? Um one one thing that I would say is I, I would look at where the biggest bottleneck or the biggest pain point is in the business. So are you having customer issues a lot? Or are you having sales issues a lot? Those are two very different issues. So look at your biggest pain point and then start looking at the process that led you to that pain point. So if you're if you're having clients that fall off after you know six weeks and you're trying to have them stay for a year, well then your client onboarding probably needs to be tweaked and you need to break that down and look at it and come back. Yeah. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and you're doing everything in the business and you feel like you can't grow the business because you're so busy doing everything else, well, start looking at the one to two things that take up an hour a week in your business and then work on delegating that. Maybe that's delegating, um, sending invoices or creating proposals. If you're like a freelancer, creating proposals can be very time consuming. Well, maybe you can hire an assistant and take that one thing off because if you can remove one hour a week from your workload, you're literally getting 52 hours of productivity back a year, which is two full days, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, and and I think most businesses and business owners and employees have, you know, uh, I don't want to say just one one hour a week, but like three, five, ten hours a week that they're spending doing random stuff that they probably don't need to be doing or could be delegating and, you know, paying a fraction of the cost and be able to get their time to stay in that genius zone uh, more often. Yeah, oh, 100%. 100%. There's... I'm sure there's hours and hours upon hours of stuff that they can delegate out that they don't even, they're not even thinking about. They're just doing it casually. You know, 15 mm-hmm. minutes here, 15 minutes there, 15 yeah. minutes here, 15 minutes there. Email is a big one that everyone gets sucked into. They're, they don't think it's taking up that much time, but it, it really is. Adds up. <laughs> Adds up. Yeah, and I think it's it's knowing what do I do? What's the process? What's the protocol for when this comes in? Like for us with the 12-hour marathon, we got a lot of um, booking agencies who message us about guests being on our show, right? And it's like, okay, well, I could sit there responding to all the all these people saying a standard response of saying, okay, you know, you look like a great guest and you got to go through our process, go through the pre-interview call, and then we'll go from there. Here's more info on the show. I could send all those emails or I can have an assistant who I pay, you know, to do that. And then I can stay in my genius work of creating more opportunities, you know, more high level deals, that kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's also for businesses to be aware of where is their time going? And also what you said about what's the pain point, you know, where, where are we struggling the most? Where, where can we redirect energy that is low priority tasks into the higher priority activities? 100%. The goal as an entrepreneur should really be to be sitting in your genius zone all the time, doing what you love doing and what you're really good at doing all the time. Yeah. 
Mm, I love it. I love it, dude. So when you work with a business, what do you find some of the most difficult challenges are about uh, giving people the systems or teaching them to use the systems and then actually having them execute on those, those systems and processes? Yeah, great question. Um, I think I think one big challenge could be uh, team buy-in. So we work with some pretty big teams, and even with small teams, this could be the case as well. Is the entrepreneur always throws stuff at people, right? They're like, "All right, this month we're going to do this. Next month we're going to do this. Like all this stuff." So it's almost it, it turns into a well, if we just don't implement it for a month, the the owner is just going to forget about it, and we'll be able to do the work that we do. And you know, we don't really come across that too much um, anymore because when we come in, we get buy-in from the leadership team, and that's part of part of the process of us working with the leadership team, help them understanding how it's so important, and then we have something we call impact hours, where part of our team actually helps them implement the systems and the, and the fixing. That's awesome. So um, we've kind of gotten around that by, you know, just not just giving them stuff, but also helping them integrate the stuff and helping them deliver a lot of the, the items. But I think that's one big thing. And then two, I think a big challenge with any entrepreneur is they, they are taking everything on hmm. and they think that they're too busy to implement systems into the business. Right. And it's almost like the person that's, too dehydrated to drink water. Uh, they're they're so thirsty, but they can't. They they're so thirsty that they can't drink water. And it's like wow. they're so busy, they think they can't do systems, but they don't realize that. Mm. Like, hey, let me take a step back. If I take an hour to create a system, it'll actually remove fifteen minutes a week. So then, in one month, I get my time back, and then obviously the ROI is infinite at that point. And that can keep ticking and ticking and ticking. But a lot of people don't want to take that step back or they're not in the habit of taking that step back, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I know that um, the the money might be a concern that comes up for people is like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm focused on making the money. So one, one issue is the time, right? Like, I don't have enough time to go get my time back to build a system that gets my time back. And the other one's like, I don't have enough money to go get my time or my money back. Um, how do you respond to those people? Yeah, great question. Um, it's, it's a very similar response. It's knowing that implementing the system like with in your in your situation let's say that podcast and you have all of those requests coming in and somebody could say i I can't afford to hire an assistant so i'm going to take all of that stuff on right my argument would be if you're high if you're paying an assistant anywhere from you know 10 to 30 dollars an hour let's call it that huge range and it removes 10 hours a week from your day or from a, from your week, you now have ten hours to actually work on revenue generating activities, yep. not non revenue generating activities. So mm. the idea that you can't afford it is only true if you're not going to be using that time to work on revenue producing activities. Mm. Uh, and then in the beginning phases, you really should be working on mostly revenue generating activities and using mm. assistance and the team to get rid of everything else off your plate. Yeah. So. That's kind of how you get around the money thing is, do you trust yourself enough to focus? Let's say you get 10 hours a week back. Are you going to get an ROI on that person? And mm -hmm. any entrepreneur worth their weight should be able to get that ROI. That's how you have to validate the business. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is gold. Um, how do you feel mindset 
meshes with systems because some people might have mindset challenges and some people might have systems challenges. What's your opinion on how those work together? Oh man. Yeah. Great question. I think you can, well, one, I think you can create systems in your life that help you work on your mindset, right? Like having a great miracle morning, uh, a great morning routine can help you with your mindset. Are you in the system of reading every day, like 10 minutes a day? Are you working out? Are you getting physical activity every single day? So there's systems that can help you work on your mindset. But I think, so in, in that essence, I think they go hand in hand. And you can also create systems in your business that creates a great mindset for your team too, right? You yep. can have culture building systems put into place, uh, book clubs, anything of the sort there. I think... I think a lot of people may not have the right mindset to implement systems if they're not, if they don't believe in their business enough, or they don't believe in themselves enough. Yeah. And that purely comes from a mindset and really a confidence perspective. It's like, I don't know if I can create these systems. One, because I don't believe my team will follow them, which also is like, I'm not a great leader. Uh, two, I won't follow them, which means I lack discipline. Um, or three, like you said, I'm so busy that working on systems feels like I'm letting people down or I'm lazy. And that's once again, that's a mindset shift is actually if you're working on the business, you're getting a way higher ROI and you're actually helping people overall. Because if you hand somebody a process and they follow it, they feel so much better. If employees want process. They want they want yes. to know what to do and what's expected of them. They yeah. love it. Yeah, it's, it's just like when you can, when they feel like, okay, it's simple, A to Z, you know, I see the process, I see, I just do this, this, and this, and I produce the result, and then you don't come at me at the end saying, why did you do it wrong? Okay, yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, totally, it makes, it makes business so much easier. So a saying I always, I always say is, you, there's only two types of business problems in business, people problems or process problems, yep. that's it. You, can, you can't have anything else besides a process problem or a people problem. And if the person didn't get you the results they wanted, but they followed the process perfectly, well, that's a process problem, not a people problem. Pretty easy. Let's fix the process. If they didn't follow the process exactly, well, that's a people problem. That's easy too. Let's solve the people problem. Why didn't you follow the process? Yep. So it, it makes life a lot easier when you have a process. Yeah. Gold, man. Um, how is social media... Uh, supporting you in your business and in the systems that you're using on social media? Um, how, how are you seeing those blend together? Yeah, I think social media, you know, can be completely, while you still have creative aspect, I think it can once again be systemized too. And any type of, you know, for us, like for me, I write an article every other week, uh, a blog post article that's value driven. And that brings in a good amount of our, of our clients and our leads because it's, you know, someone will read those and get actual, actual value, not just like clickbait stuff. They'll get real value that they can implement into their business right away. And they'll read that for six months and be like, gosh, I need to get this person in my business. So, you know, and that's systemized where I write it out in a Google doc and then my assistant will get the picture, we'll upload it to the blog, she'll send it out to the email list, she'll send it out on LinkedIn, and that's it. All I have to worry about is the creative, and then that's on my calendar every single week, every other week to write that. So that's that's a way that creatives can also systemize, is maybe you don't want to systemize the create creative part, like writing copy, if that's your jam and that's what you love doing. Personally, I like long-form writing, 
Mm-hmm. You can systemize everything else out. Like that usually takes me about 30 minutes and now I don't have to worry about that. So that's, yeah. that's a lot of time back and I can just focus on the creative side. Yeah, yeah, that's that's powerful. It's, it's once again staying in that genius where you're best because people can't can't uh, you know. Let's say you bring on an employee, they are not most likely able to uh, share the genius of systems and of business growth strategies and leadership that you have picked up over the years. So you just okay. I just need to pour out this raw data. Blah. You know, just get it out and then you take care of the rest. You can take care of the formatting, getting onto the internet. And of course, there's like processes and systems for that too and, and marketing it and all that good stuff. So it's like just continuing to stay in that genius zone. Yeah, that's exactly right. She makes it super pretty, makes it look really nice, puts it on her website and it, and it looks great. It's an awesome product. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I know you mentioned that um, serving and giving is like a big part for you as well. Tell us a little bit more about how you uh, bring that into your business and systems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for us, well, it, just at the top line of it at Elevate, 3% of all of our revenue goes to funding like innovative education projects around, around the country. So uh, com- companies and nonprofits that are, you know, teaching entrepreneurship to high schoolers, uh, personal development, mindfulness, financial literacy. We, we partner up with some nonprofits and we donate 3% of our revenue to them because for me, my personal, you know, if you want to call it a mission or Hey, you know, a big pain point that I always think about is the education system and how you know we're not teaching kids personal development. Like I said, is very important. We're not teaching people entrepreneurship. Like for me to grow up in that small town and not know anything about entrepreneurship, not know anything about personal development, not know anything about financial literacy, mm. uh, it's pretty mind blowing that I got super lucky. Like if there is that piece of paper wasn't in front of me on that table that one day in junior high school or junior college, my whole life would be very different. So mm. I don't think it needs to be up to luck for people to have that choice. So no. that's always been a huge passion and a thing of mine. So that's why the company, we donate 3% of our revenue to helping with those projects. And we love working with education companies too. Like one of our clients right now, uh, Character Strong, they're an amazing, amazing company and they're doing amazing things in the education world. So we, we also try to work with companies that we believe in. Um, and then on a, on a, you know, a personal side too, giving and serving is really, anytime I'm learning something and someone, there's somebody else that's struggling with something of the sort, I, I love just, you know, giving them, you know, a reference or a resource or something of that sort and just giving back, being a go-giver, right? Um, Bob Berg's book, The Go-Giver. I, I truly subscribe to that and believe in it. I think it's an amazing book and amazing philosophy is, you know, you're, the more you give, the more happy you're going to be regardless of the outcome afterwards. So for me, it's where, where can I give in every situation? Um, and sometimes that's nothing to give, right? Sometimes I don't have any experience to share, but I can listen and I can, you know, maybe be that person that that person needs to listen to and be supported on. Dude, it sounds like you've gone through like huge um, conscious consciousness evolution from where you used to be, uh, being more selfish, more of a jerk to where you are today. Um, it's, it's incredible, man. It's, it's really inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, how can you, how do you, how do you encourage people to go through like something similar? Um, how can you empower them or encourage them, give them wisdom or what would you recommend to them if they are also looking to become a, a better human being, um, and, and make the world a better place? Yeah. Great question. Uh, first place to start could be, uh, the first place that I started reading the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm. Uh, like 135 pages so it's a super short read um and you know follow those four agreements and try your best to follow them and that that's really what started it all for me Mm. uh i actually got the book on accident i was trying to look up a book for a book club and i read a totally different book and then the week before my coach was like nah christian you can't use a financial book this is supposed to be a book like a personal development book club that you need to present on and I was like, oh man, what's a really short book that I can read in a week to get this done so I can go present? And then he sent me that and it changed my life completely. Wow. That's incredible. It's amazing how things like just line up for us, you know, come into alignment and you could never predict things happening the way that they do, but it's so amazing. So beautiful. Totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. I love it, man. Um, so I know you live in San Diego with your wife. How has uh, that relationship, congratulations, by the way, how Thank has you. that relationship uh, made a difference for you in your life and your work? Oh, yeah. Uh, all the difference, man. It's uh, It's been absolutely incredible. I think, I think before I was in this relationship and before, you know, we were married, I had a very superficial understanding of one, love two commitment and three just really empathy right um i think i beforehand i I was a good person and i loved people but when you when you're into a relationship like this it changes your perspective on those things dramatically it kind of raises your capacity to love and opens your eyes to other things out there um i've always wanted like a family and etc but actually being with someone that you're working on building a family it just it matures you up in a way that i I don't know if anything else can and um that's just from my own experience too right this is just one person talking but for me it's it's changed also the way i look at business too um like i said i had a huge chip on my shoulder beforehand about business where i was like i just want to build a big business i want to do this and blah 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 and then since having you know being with Brittany and I'm really looking at business, not just as like a numbers game, mm-hmm. chip on your shoulder kind of badge. It's more of a, okay, well, what, can we, what good can we do with this? What's business is a tool and we can use it for good and we can actually do something useful with it, not just brag about the numbers you're doing with, with your boys and friends. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, I think it's totally changed my perspective on business too. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I love that. And I think I've, I felt something similar since dating my girlfriend. Uh, you know, we met in February of last year, 2018. And uh, I felt like I've stepped into, even though I don't have a kid yet, I've stepped into the father energy, like the parental energy, the being responsible, the being the provider, um, not just for her, but for my clients, for my team, for my business and organization. Like I'm, I'm, I'm open and empowered by that responsibility rather than uh, wanting to run away from it, wanting to not deal with the, the hassle. And it's like, Hey, this is a part of it. And I'm empowered and fulfilled by it rather than uh, being disempowered by it and I, I, i've seen a huge shift in myself from that so it sounds sounds pretty similar 
Yeah, totally. Totally agree. And, you know, your mindset shifts from me, myself, and I being like, you have friends and you have partners and business partners. And yes, you all, you feel really close to them. But at the end of the day, we're, we all think we're the center of our universe, right? Yep. Um, but I think the closest thing to really seeing that we're not is having that other partner where now every decision is put through your brain, internal brain as, are, is that going to make them happy too? So oh. it, it's really cool. It's, yeah. it's really, I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's rad, man. Do you know when you're planning on having kids? Uh, not, not anytime soon. Uh, not this year. Uh, <laughs> probably not next year either. We want to enjoy, enjoy the marriage and yeah stuff like that but uh yeah they're on the horizon for sure definitely definitely man um where do you see your own company elevate where do you see that going in the coming years any anything that you're most excited about or or really looking forward to yeah I, i'm really excited right now we have our we're just building the business we're growing the business we're, we're looking to serve more people and become even more aligned in terms of the missions that we support so mm. we're getting even more um, discreet, I guess you could say, on like who we work with and more more essential on what types of companies we're saying yes to, what type of companies we're saying no to and growing from that aspect. Yeah. And then eventually also, you know, starting to invest in companies and start building companies as well from inside Elevate. So that's that's a little bit about what we're doing, but we're mostly focused just on growing Elevate and serving our clients to the best that we can. Yeah, yeah, that's that's rad. Um, what what do you think are some of the greatest benefits that companies get from working with you? Like, what? Why do they say heck yes after you're uh, done working with them, or you've you've sub- substantially invested your services and gifts into them to help them improve? Yeah, great question. I think you know after working with us and during working with us, they're they're getting an objective third party that's looking at their business with no bias, no emotion, and just saying, hey, this is what's best for the business from our analysis and our objective third party look, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have a leadership team, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of charging in there. But if you can have that objective third party come in and say, hey, I see everybody's, I see everybody's side. This is what we think is best for the business. It just mm-hmm. really helps with the strategy setting, vision setting. Um, but on top of that, too, a lot of a lot of our entrepreneurs now are working more in their genius zone. Profits are doubling. Um, revenue is going up at a high clip, you know, exponentially growing. And we're we're really quelling the chaos. We're bringing structure to things that usually they didn't know why things were happening. Now they understand why. Have systems. We're building their team out. We're helping them build their green team so they can. We've been talking about sit in their genius zone all the time. And that's that's why clients are going to stay with us and love working with us. That's what our only goal is. That's awesome. Awesome, Christian. What what do you say um, when there's two leaders who have conflicting viewpoints um, and they're they're like even if you present the data, you present the strategy, they're still like, ah, I don't like it and they don't they don't like sit well with that. How do you respond to that or have you ever uh, encountered that? Yeah, totally. Are you asking two leaders that have opposing viewpoints and they're clashing or two leaders that disagree with my analysis? Uh, The two leaders are clashing with themselves. That is is probably the most dangerous part for for a business to be in, uh, a very dangerous place for a business to be in. And I have seen it. Um, I've seen the magic that happens when business leaders are aligned and rocking and rolling. 
I've seen I've seen businesses deadlocked for six months to a year, not getting much done because the leaders are just clashing. And I think at the end of the day, a little pre-work to this is creating a contract where if two leaders are clashing, there is a way to solve that. Mm. Uh, a lot of people jump into business with a partner and they go 50-50. <laughs> Great. And if you want to do 50-50, like that's your decision. Right. But have in the contract that there's 50-50, but in a deadlock, John has has veto power. Yeah. Like you need to have that somewhere to where you can solve those disputes because I've literally seen businesses crumble because the leaders can't get on the same page. It's really, really problematic. So that's like the pre-work. Like do that beforehand, have a really great operating agreement with a partner where someone is the leader. Yep. Um, post-work, if it's happening, got to get like some type of mediation in there, whether that's with the leadership team. And we're saying we're going to make a decision and it's, we don't have to all sing Kumbaya by the end of this meeting, but we have to come up with a decision and execute. So um, I think, I think Amazon talks about that a lot. And I know Ray Dalio talks about that a lot is like disagree, but execute. Like when you leave the room, you are all on the same page and you're all executing in the one, one direction, Mm. even though in the room, there's still a lot of argument. Once you leave that room, that's the choice and that's what we're going to do for three months. Wow. That's powerful. So it's, it's really like have the disagreement, be open to disagree and have the best idea rise to the top. Cause I mean, that's, that's why people are disagreeing. It's like, my idea is better. This is what's going to work. This is what we definitely need to invest in, in our time and our energy, our systems, our manpower. And the other person says, no, this idea is better. This is what we need to invest in. And it can be difficult uh, in that case. But also having, I think, what you said about having a mediator there or like your team coming in and saying, hey, we've analyzed the business. This is what we see from a a third party. And and it can be emotionally charged with two powerful leaders who both like think that this is their baby, right? This company is their baby. And it's like for you to come in and say, hey, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Here's what we've noticed having that that third party um has got to be super super beneficial to 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 create clarity to create movement and momentum one way or the other yeah and that's what it comes down to is just executing because you can always pivot once you execute but you can't pivot with no data and no execution you're Mm. solving you're stalemated for six months you're losing i would rather have made a made a short-term small mistake in a month of executing than make no decision and take no action over six months wow Wow. um i know you mentioned at the beginning how mission is important to you and and helping companies identify their mission and like the greater cause the greater reason for why they exist is there any information or um uh, encouragement advice you'd give to our entrepreneurs and business owners out there who want more clarity and want to really live their mission embody that in their culture yeah uh you know if if you know your mission then it's as simple as really getting away thinking about your mission thinking creating a vivid vision right like a cameron Harold vivid vision of how you're living out your mission and then the hard work is of actually living it, right? Yeah. You know, it's so easy to say yes to a client that's not aligned with you just because the money. It's so easy to kind of stray from your laurels a little bit. But if you can have that mission up and you can believe in it and you can act by it, it, it creates a habit. Everything, everything in our lives is a habit. So if you can 
live by your mission for two days, that'll turn into four, turn into six, yada, yada, and have the team live by the mission too. Now, if you don't know your mission, um, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't build a business, uh, but I would venture to say that the people who are mission-driven and believe in what they're doing are going to be the winners and are going to be the ones who actually make big change in the world. So I'd be very careful about building a business and jumping into a business if you don't truly believe in the mission or the vision of the business. That's that's a recipe for one, failure, which is fine, but two, which I think is worse, stuck success, where you're moderately successful, but you feel stuck and not happy and unfulfilled. And that's why we all believe in the midlife crisis type of thing. People yeah. do that, they get stuck, and then they're 45, 50 years old, and they're like, oh my gosh, what did I do to myself? I'm stuck. Man, so it's it's like really being self-aware of what someone's purpose is, what you stand for, what your values are, and, and what you want to achieve in the world. And that, that of course, takes time too. But don't, if you know that, if you have some progress on that, if you're like, I'm really passionate about this, but you know what, I'm going to go work in this business that I hate and I'm not, not aligned with just because I want to make some money in the short term and provide and sustain. Like if that has to happen, great, but get out of that as soon as you possibly can to the next, the better thing that is more fulfilling for you. Totally agree. And if you don't know your mission, you don't know truly what you're passionate about, follow your curiosity to see mm. what you're curious about. What what comes up in conversation or in a movie or somewhere and you're like, oh, that's that's cool. Follow your curiosity and figure out your values and follow your curiosity. I think you can figure out your values at any time by just doing the work. But I think mission and passion, they're a little bit harder. You can't just write it on paper and be like, that's it. That's the one. Um, <laughs> I think you can do some deep work and figure out your values rather quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like figuring out the mission and, and purpose of a company, the vision of it, that takes also, uh, you know, communication of saying, is, is this it? Is this how we want to be known? Is this how we want to, uh, how we want the world to see us? And it's like, I think back to uh, Simon Sinek, start, start with why and how he talked about, um, you know, Apple and Steve Jobs, like think differently. How, how, imagine how much time must have gone into refining that, that uh, philosophy and that mission and that, that way of being, that why that's carried with them for decades you know that's nuts <laughs> yeah totally agree that's like one of the first things you can do when you build a business especially if you have a partner sit down and figure that out and get on the same page about that yeah wow um what do you think about like businesses that evolve over time how do you how do you advise them if they're why and and the mission wasn't super clear in the beginning but over time uh it gets they get more clarity on it and they have to change things or what's your perspective on that i think it's totally fine i think i i mean who am i to judge right that i think that is a totally normal and i think it, that happens more often than not i think mm. You can have like a V1 where you guys feel good about it and then you start to craft it over time and you get more comfortable and then eventually you're like, yes, this is it. This is what we are looking for. Uh, I think going back to what we were saying earlier is like if you both as a team understand your values and understand at least the mission for the time being, you're in good footings. Then you can kind of navigate with those values intact and make the decisions that still live up to your values. And then if you get to a point where the mission feels like it's changing, then that's fine. I would just then I would just say make sure you have buy-in from everybody else on your team too, and know that 
if you have a 20 person team, 10 of them might leave because they don't believe in the mission anymore if you're changing the mission. So just be aware of that and be comfortable with that. And that's a decision that you can make. It's fine. People do it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love how you said you got to be comfortable with that. You got to own that, hey, this is the next evolution. This is the higher truth of who we are and what we stand for. And there, there might be some people who fall away in the process because not everyone who joined is going to continue on anyways. You know, like there's going to be uh, attrition. There's going to be people who are like, yeah, you know, this is no longer fulfilling me. People themselves in the organization as employees, they find more of their purpose, more of who they are over time or get called to different things, different passions, different curiosities, different purposes, have to move move, have obligations, family stuff, whatever might might come up. So I think that's to be graceful with every team member that comes on. That's that's definitely something that I think businesses can be good at and that would serve them in the long run. Totally. And I think there is some point where, you know, if you're changing your mission every year, that's a bad sign. That's, <laughs> not, that's not good, right? Yeah, that's do some inner work and think about what that's representing in your life too. Mm. Uh, so there is a point I think where, where people do it too much. And I think in our day and age, people, I don't know, they're kind of sensationalizing like this idea of like pivoting every six months. And we see all these people doing that. And that's cool if they're, you know, trying to find themselves and if they're trying to figure out their stuff, but as a company, it, it does, it does cycle growth if you're pivoting every six months. And, you know, that's okay to do if you're pivoting, like elevates business model change. We've changed our business model, I don't know, like three times over the past year, uh, slightly. The target market still stays the same, but the model changes. And we're just kind of, we're still looking really for that true product market fit. And that's okay. But if you're completely changing industries every six months and products and all these different things, it's definitely something that to think about and look internally and why that's happening. I want to ask one more question about um, being the CEO yourself and the founder of multiple companies. What wisdom have you picked up as far as that role is concerned? Oh man, as far as the role is concerned, um, I think one piece of wisdom that I found, and it's definitely continued this through the entire thing, is that the people are the most important part of the company. And I don't just mean that as like a human resource thing. I mean, as you really need to take, take on ownership of the well-being of your employees and your team and put them first in most situations. I think, I think a lot of CEOs forget about that. And for me, that was like, that's why I went through 24 employees my first uh, year in business, right? Or my first six months in business. It, didn't care about my employees. I cared about the numbers and I was a selfish, what I call a selfish leader. Uh, but when you really start to think about your employees and you start to care about them outside the work environment, uh, that's when you create loyalty and you create trust and they'll go through the fire with you and for you. Wow. That's powerful, man. I love it. I love it. Um, so is there anything else that you wanted to cover on systems, on being able to create that high performance uh, mentality and workplace or culture? Anything else that you wanted to briefly touch on, man? I think we covered the gamut. Uh, yeah, I think we covered it. Love it. Love it. On fire, man. So Christian, how do people stay connected with you and what do we want them to do next, man? Yeah, sure. They can stay connected with me by adding me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, and if they want to learn more about Elevate, they can just head over to elevateyoursystems.com. Beautiful. 
Dude, Christian, you're a freaking powerhouse, man. This is gold and elevateyoursystems.com. Everyone go visit the website. And Christian, we have a, a final thing here. It's like 60 seconds of your of your greatest wisdom, greatest encouragement and empowerment for our audience to truly step into their greatest possible self from your heart. Uh, what is that, man? The minute to minute, what would you recommend and encourage our audience to do? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, something that I always think about in, in tough situations and, and really a lot is a, it's a poem that my mom used to always read to me, actually. It's a famous poem, but it's um, it's a Robert Frost poem, and it's, you know, two roads diverge in the wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And I think about that quote a lot of taking the road less traveled, and a lot of people in the world take the road most traveled um, a lot. and if you're looking at two points, you know, don't think about what everyone else is doing. And it's so easy to do that with social media these days. And we play the comparison game and we're saying we're not good enough. And we're saying, you know, this person has all this and this person is all that. And we're looking at social media constantly. But if you can really get rid of that in your mindset and just do the decisions that feel right to you and take the road less travel, it will make all the difference. Mm, gold. I love it. Christian. You're a champion. Thank you so much for being here, man. Looking forward to growing together, and I appreciate you. Have an amazing day, okay? Absolutely, Chris. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. Awesome, man. See you soon. Yeah. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode, but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now, decide and commit who you are going to be. Think about how you will use these ideas, wisdom, and inspiration to make the difference in your life. What actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self? Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, EmployeeEscapePlan.com. If you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer, make a great income off of your genius, or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.employeeescapeplan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com, and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow, and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself, create your reality, and make every day your best day ever.